0: And I think about also the things that you and I talked about, Kim Adele. I told a little story about the, the Discover card commercial. And if you all want to go on YouTube, you can find it. It's called Frog Protection, F-R-O-G. And it has two people talking to each other. They're the same person, you know, how Discover does it. One is talking about fraud, F-R-A-U-D protection. The other is talking about frog. He's holding a big. Toad or whatever they are. I don't know. I don't know my frogs uh, in his and he wants frog FROG protection. How many times have you and another person been talking about what you thought was exactly the same thing? And you're like and you went off and you wasted days and weeks of effort because and maybe not just yours, but maybe teams worth of effort because. You just didn't have a common understanding of what, what you were talking about. So it's things like that, that listening can benefit. It can unveil black swans. You know, it can help you in so many ways. And, and, and I think Kim Adele, you, you said it best. It's, it's not something that you, you know, even you developed just like by snapping your fingers is something that you know, over years you started as a hairdresser, you realized that. Making person a person feel the best version of themselves was important, you know. So you you listened, but then you you honed that skill in corporate America, and then you also honed it as a mom, right? Yeah. Those are all different places and different pl- ways in which, like this, the stuff we're talking about here isn't just about growing your business with people; it's about creating better relationships in your personal and your professional world that are powerful. So that was that was pretty awesome.
1: I I, mean, I loved that story when you shared it before about the fro- uh, frog and the fraud. Um, and you see it all the time. You know, um, one of the things I see probably the most in organizations is use of jargon. Um, you know, I spent a lot of time in financial services and I remember being sat in one boardroom and they, they were chatting away and it was really obvious that both ends of the table thought they were talking about something completely different. And that's because they were talking about T's and C's. Now, in financial services, T's and C's could be your terms and conditions. So if you're in product, it would be your terms and conditions. But if you're in um, compliance or if you're in HR, it would be training and competence because actually there's a legal requirement for you to ensure that the people are trained appropriately and competent as part of wealth management. So and I sat there and I was like, you people, you think we're talking terms and conditions, don't you? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, you people think we're talking training and competence. They're like, yeah. As I say, like, so we've got no idea what we're talking about. So how on earth are we ever going to move the situation forward? And I remember, I think I shared this with you before, sitting there before now and saying, do you know what I think we really need? And they're like, what's that? I said, we need a few more TLAs. <laughs> Should we have a few more TLAs? I think that would really help us right now. And nobody wants to admit that they don't know what's going on. So everyone nodded. I was like, okay, great. Who in the room would like to be the owner for getting more TLAs? And this, bless them, this little soul put their hand up and went, I don't know what a TLA is. I went, thank you for having the confidence to say that. It's a three-letter acronym. You are so busy talking jargon that we're not actually getting anything done. We don't know what it is that we're working towards. We don't know what the real problem is because we're all too busy trying to be too clever. And actually the reality is it's always in the simplicity of life. I have made a career out of asking dumb girl questions. So going into organisations and asking the dumb stuff that nobody else would dare ask because they might look silly. Um, but yeah, I'm like, i why do we do do that like that? I'm just intrigued. I just want to know where we're going. And and as you so eloquently put, Jeff, it was in that meeting them at their desk. I remember with one organisation, we had no money. We were facing um, insolvency. Um, We'd had the biggest fine in UK history from the regulator. Um, And it was really not a great place. And I was having to run big redundancy programmes while still trying to motivate the people left behind. (laughs) So, you know, there was, there was some opportunity for us to think differently in that particular one. So I ended up, I was the COO, and I thought, well, I haven't got any money. I can't do anything really to um, to motivate you. But what I can do is take a tea trolley round all four floors and meet you at your desk and make you a cup of tea. I can do that. That's in my gift of what I can do. Um, and when I first did it, you want to have seen the level of distrust um, so people were like, what are you doing? Making a cup of tea? I was <laughs> like, uh, do I have to pay for it? No. Why are you doing it? Because it's Monday. <laughs> like, can I have a biscuit? You can have two. I was <laughs> like, I don't really mind. I just want to come and see you where you are. But what it meant was they would come and find me and tell me all the silly things that they thought we were asking them to do that were causing us to have real challenges. And our CFO at the time was uh, an amazing guy. Sadly, not with us anymore. Um, but he was a very dour Yorkshireman, and he used to at the start of every board meeting. He would say, um, "You best not be spending my effing money," and I do mean it's my money. <laughs> that would be like that would be his pinnacle start moment. So you'd be there from there on in, kind of in mass justification mode of anything that you were uh, spending or or bringing in but i eventually convinced him to come with me on this tour uh, doing um tea and coffee and i remember him saying on the walk back i've learned more in the last half an hour than i've learned in the last 13 years in this organisation um but from but that was just the start of him learning because actually people then saw him as more approachable they came and chatted to him in the canteen they came and asked those questions um, or told him things that were going off that they thought he would go wow why are we doing that so it totally changed the dynamic of the relationship that he had with the organization and that played out in the success we we made it through without becoming insolvent we actually uh, the company's still going today but a lot of that was about changing that dialogue
0: Bad advertising agency is entering a hundredth year of business. From day one, we have specialized in recruitment advertising. And today, we develop fully digital strategies across programmatic advertising, search engine marketing, and social media. With a 100 years of experience and knowledge across every industry, we're ready to help our clients navigate what's next. To learn more, visit us at Bairdad.com. Wow. I could see a bunch of CEOs right now going on Amazon and looking up Tea Trolley. And seeing if they can, <laughs> but I need a tea trolley, like without the tea trolley, this whole thing does not work. It doesn't work, right? What is a tea trolley and how does how do I operate that thing? But in all seriousness, listen, go around, do something nice for folks. I still remember one time I went up to one of my recruiting coordinators in the, in, in, uh, in, in Derby, right, in England. And, uh, while I was with Rolls Royce and I still remember this, this moment, like it was yesterday, we had T's and C's in terms of conditions, offer letters going out and they were yay thick because of union and different things and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, and they were, they were, a real big problem at the time, and we we worked to solve it. But at that point, the coordinators were still trying to match up all of these different things to go into every single person's offer letter. And And sometimes leaders and others would become impatient because there'd be an error in a TNC. Now, if you knew just how difficult these things were to build, you would not be nearly as frustrated, but they were, yeah, and they didn't understand. So I went up to this coordinator's desk and I was just, you know, I was the head of all global recruitment and I kind of walked up and I was like, Hey there, how you doing? I'll not say her name just so I don't embarrass her. I don't know if she'd be okay. You know, but and her head jerked up. Her eyes looked like she was like this big in total fear and fright. And she looked at me and she goes, and then she goes, and her eyes closed a little bit. She goes, Oh, it's you, Jeff. I'm so glad. That it's just you. And I said, oh, what's going on? And she goes, it's just been an awful day. All the T's and C's, they're not matching up. They're not working. They're not doing this stuff. And I said, I said, I am. Um, well, tell me about it. And she started telling me about it. And at that point, I got our director of HR, which is the highest, that's like a chief HR officer, involved and actually had her walk the floor and talk with people about the T's and C's. And she got so inspired about it. She's like, we're going to make, we're going to fix this and we're going to get whatever we need to fix this situation so that it doesn't have to continue on. And not all of it was in talent acquisition. It was a combination of labor and others that had to come together and legal to build something out. And it certainly should have never fallen on a recruiting coordinator, but it had for years. It had always been that way. Right. But that coordinator in that moment, I felt like a leader more in that moment than I think ever before, because that person wasn't threatened by me. That, first, that person had a sense of relief and peace in being able to talk with me. And I'm like, like, I might be doing a lot of stuff wrong, but I've at least done one thing right you know, and I, and I felt much better about, uh, about myself in that moment, um, in my, uh, in my approach. And I think that's what you're talking about is creating those connections with people. You know, it's, it's not, it's not, not for nothing as they'd say in in Boston here, right? It's not for nothing that you do these things, right? There's a big return that you can get. I mean, even if you're just thinking about yourself, like say, hey, listen, I just want to I wanna be better. I want to be a better leader. Well, that's great. Oh, by the way, you'll also help a lot of people along the way and you'll lift them as you climb. Oh, hey, I like that too. And oh, by the way, I might make my organization more profitable. How about that? Well, that's pretty good too. I like that. How you know, and then as you talk about the unstoppable growth, you know, the increased sales and all that. That's all part of it. But it all starts with the fundamental that you get at, that you talk about, which is listening. And I'd like to read from a book. The book is called Pivot and Grow. And one of the chapters uh, was written by Kim Adele Randall here. And she talks about um, in here, and I'll read from it, from the old master, Lao Tzu, change your thoughts, change your life. What can you focus on that you're totally grateful for? Once you move into gratitude, things start to show up differently. In reality, you see the same things, but it's your reaction to them that's different. In other words, it's not what you've got, but how you think about what you've got. So Kim Adele Randall, you wrote that piece. Uh, Tell this. Tell us a little bit about what that means. Talk about gratitude and the role that that plays.
1: So I think you know the one thing that life has uh, taught me is that it only makes sense in the rearview mirror. When we're going through it, it doesn't always make a lot of sense. Um, But once you look back on it, you realise that everything in life was either a lesson, a blessing, or both. And so you know the moments where I'm not feeling very blessed, I look for the lesson because it will be there. And it's, it's helped me realize that actually very often the thing I need to change is the label that I've put on something. So because we're quick to label things, it's how we understand them. Um, and so we, we can, we'll say, um, things are going wrong or we didn't like this, but very often we set our goals in the negative. Um, And again, I see this in organisations all over the place. So minimum standards is one of the ones that always makes me start shaking because I'm like, right, imagine that. So I get to the end of the day. I've done everything you asked me to do. And your standards are quite high. But I get to come home and say to my little girl, hey, Scully Bear, guess what? Today, mummy was absolutely minimum. Well, How's that going to (laughs) feel? Am I going to feel motivated to want to go back in? Am I going to feel appreciative of what I'm doing? No. And yet, if you took the same standards, but called them standards of excellence, and you just refuse to have anything below excellent, same day, same result. But I now get to go home and go, hey, Scarlett, yeah, guess what? Today, mummy was absolutely excellent. And and so for me, this is probably one of the biggest tricks for people is, and I talk about it in my TEDx, actually, is the only thing greater than fear is hope. And yet both of them are imagined. Whatever you're fearful of hasn't happened yet. You've had to imagine it. You've created it in your brain, what that's going to look like, what's going to feel like, what's going to sound like. The exact same is true of anything you're hopeful for. Hasn't happened yet. You've had to create it in your brain, the same brain. And yet we choose to believe that what we're fearful of is more credible and more likely than what we're hopeful for. Why? Both are equally flawed because they were created by the same brain. So instead, one of the things that I get people to to look at is when you find yourself focused on something you don't want, ask yourself what you do want and focus on that instead because our subconscious brain is the happiest little helper that you'll ever have, but it comes with one very significant flaw. It doesn't understand the difference between help or harm. So whatever you tell it, it thinks you want. I do this to myself all the time. The minute I stand up to do any public speaking, I go, I'm really bad at public speaking. And then it runs back and reminds me that 24 years ago, I stood up and told 600 people that um, one of the charities we were going to support was Imperial Leather which clearly is a soap, and I meant imperial cancer. And whilst I've never said anything that stupid since, that's the piece that it will bring back, (laughs) remind me. So now I have to say to myself, okay, yeah, I get it wrong. I can get it wrong. Are there any occasions where I've got it right? Because again, then my happy little helper will run back into the library of my brain and find all of the times where people queued to speak to me, having listened to me speak, or wrote to me months later to tell me about something they'd achieved as a result of taking action because of something that I'd done with them. And so now we can look at it and go, okay, I can get it wrong, but I can get it right. What choice am I going to make? How am I going to move forward from this? Because it's all about choice. And, And for me, you know, I'm a, I hold my hands up. I am an extremely biased, proud mum. And I believe that there's nothing in the world my little girl can't do as long as she tries hard and she's kind and she stays curious. So I always say, "What well, if this was Scarlett, if this were her with this opportunity, what advice would I give her? Well, my advice would be <laughs> try your hardest, take action, be kind and go for it. What's the worst that can happen? And so, if that's what I'd say to her, I have to take that advice for myself. Uh, you know, we've talked earlier about uh, that anthology. Um, it was actually the third one that I'd done, and the, and the first one, they actually phoned me up the very first day of lockdown. Um, back in uh back in twenty twenty, and they said, we're writing a book on remote working, Kim, and you've led remote teams. Will you be part of it? And I said, like, no, I can't write. I could just about write a shopping list, but not one anyone's going to want to read. So I was like, I can't do that. Um, And then I thought about it and was like, what would you say if this was Scarlet? Well, if it was Scarlet, I'd say, give it a try. What's the worst that can happen? The worst that can happen is they refuse to put your chapter in the book. Um, And so I wrote my chapter. We were actually given five days to write it. So having never written anything before, five days to write your chapter... Um, and then in one of the most surreal moments of my life, on day 10 of lockdown, we published. And on day 11, we were international bestsellers in seven countries. Um, and I remember being stood in my garden, in my pajamas, <laughs> live on radio to BBC Radio London, talking about the book, <laughs> thinking, I'm so glad that this is audio only. <laughs> so I'm trotting around as my little girl was upstairs. And it's like, we just never know what's going to happen if we suspend judgment and take a leap of faith. And so I wrote a quote for my little girl, but I believe it to be true of everybody. And if it's okay, I'd like to share it. Uh, My quote is to be kind, to be curious, to dream big, take action and believe because you are proof that miracles happen because we're all proof that miracles happen to somebody
0: boy that's some powerful stuff well thank you for listening to part two of episode 11 hairdresser in the boardroom of growing your business with people continue the conversation with us in part three as kim adele randall shares her advice on how leaders can build successful teams